we are speaking about creation care. Interesting conversation topic. So um, one of this is our wild card. So once a month we'll try and do cafe style and we'll talk about a slightly more current issue um, that's different to the sermon series. And tonight it is creation care. So I don't know if anyone's seen the new David Attenborough uh, BBC documentary series, Seven Worlds, One Planet. Anyone seen it? Oh my gosh, it is so good. I, firstly, I love David Attenborough, of course. Obviously, he's the king. Uh, Jesus is the king. He's the lowercase king. K king. I like David. Uh, anyway, so it goes through uh, these the, the seven different continents and just like focuses on the wildlife there. And there's this episode on North America. Um, and it shows about the polar bears in the north of Canada. And I don't know if you know anything about polar bears, but they hunt on ice. So when the, the ice... Uh, they, they go on top of the ice and that's what they used to hunt from because uh, they need to go out to, to the oceans to hunt, right? But because the, the, the ice caps are melting, global warming, uh, all that, the, the top of Canada doesn't have much ice. And so all around the world, the, popular, the polar bear population is suffering because they can't find the ice to swim and to stand on and to hunt, right? But in Canada... My friend David Attenborough taught me that the polar bears have discovered a new way of hunting. And the scientists there have seen this thing that's never happened before. And because there's no ice, what the polar bears are doing in this particular part of the world is they swim out to the rocks. And they, they go quite far out into the ocean and they just stand on the rocks and they just wait. And they wait and they wait and they wait. And then what happens in this video clip is this beluga whale big whale swims past the rock and the polar bear just like munches the beluga whale and he just dives into the the ocean and like bites the back of this whale's head and this polar bear literally kills a whale spoiler alert is so cool (laughs) i was literally like there's that is insane better than any kind of scorsese film um I just thought that was kind of cool. It was kind of amazing, but it's also appropriate because, oh, I took a picture. Here you go, polar bear. Um, but go and watch it just for that scene. Unbelievable. Anyway, that's a little start off at 10. Creation care. Today is, we're talking about creation care. Um, and it is a, a really important conversation for us to have. A lot of you may have been having these conversations quite a lot. We obviously had Extinction Rebellion in the news. Um, and it's kind of a current issue. Um, but it's, I think it's one that we don't kind of talk about from the front of church a lot. Um, and it's one that people kind of don't know where to stand. Or some people are, are really over here, super eco. And we're like, yeah, that's cool. You go for it. Uh, and some of us are over here. And it's like, that's fine as well. Um, so start off at 10, just on your tables. Uh, how, where are you on the sliding scale of Extinction Rebellion to Climate Skeptic? Uh, where do you fit on that sliding scale? How environmental are you? Uh, and secondly, what do you see as your personal responsibility for environmental issues? Where do you sit? What's my responsibility as a steward, as a Christian, as, a, as an inhabitant, inhabitant of the world? Um, so two quick questions. Two minutes, off you go. Okay, do you want to draw those conversations to a close? I should have said before, there's no judgment either. We're all friends here. And we don't love you based on your climate 
beliefs. So, um, next thing we're going to do is read the Bible. So, um, we are going to be talking about creation care today. So, we're going to look at what does the Bible say? Uh, what is happening in the world today based on the climate, current climate uh, state of the world? And then finally, what can we do about it uh, as Christians, but also just as people as well? And as a church family, what does that look like for us? Um, so, Matt is going to read. Sure. So this is, yeah, Genesis 1, 26 to 31, and a verse from um, chapter 2 as well. Um, right, yeah. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I will give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the, tr- all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has bre- the breath of life in it, I will give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. And then from chapter two, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. This is the word of the Lord. Come on. Um, thank you so much, Matt. If you don't know Matt, you should talk to Matt. He's a very cool guy. He's a very good drummer. I'm very jealous. Uh, so these two passages that we just read are really quite key passages uh, when we're thinking about creation care, when we're thinking about the environment, and they'll often be cited or read if you do go to a Christian kind of environment style talk. Um, because it is somewhat of a mandate for us as human beings it's god giving us a kind of instruction manual like what does he want humans to do what's the purpose what's what is like our mandate basically as beings as humans so in the passage you may have heard he blesses humans to be fruitful and multiply blesses humans to fill the earth to subdue the earth to rule over the earth uh, and in that last passage uh, to work the earth and to take care of the earth Um, So just to start, I just want us to look at what that actually means. Um, And here, I think the common misconception, I've said this in a previous talk, is that God God here isn't saying he wants us all to have loads of babies and to keep things tidy. Um, But God is saying so much more than that. He's calling us to be stewards uh, of his earth. He wants us to create society. He wants us to fill the earth with things like churches and schools and government and healthcare systems. He's asking us to subdue the earth, to harness raw, uncut potential uh, and material all around us, to, to mine metals, to harness wind energy, to build furniture and towns and cities out of the wood, uh, to cultivate the wilderness into to somewhere that we can live and society can flourish. He's asking us to rule the earth that he has made for us. And he wants us to use our skills to create a beautiful and sustainable habitat. 
He wants us to work with the resources all around us and to take care of creation as we, as a society, thrive. But it's quite interesting when you hold that in uh, kind of next to where we're at, basically. Uh, And there's also a famous verse in Psalm 24 that says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So we have this this mandate to do things with the world, to to chop trees down and create uh, kind of buildings and stuff. But we also have this mandate to look after the world and to, to see it as something that belongs to God. So there's a really simple question I think that we need to ask ourselves when we come to talking about creation care. Um, but actually it works as a general rule for pretty much everything. Uh, and the question you ask yourself before t- doing something is, is this thing going to be honouring to God, honouring to others and honouring to myself? Um, and I think that's an important rule that we should really think about. Because unfortunately, we live in a society that runs through a selfish lens. Uh, sin in general is basically a concept of being prideful, of saying that I am God, not God. So we look to benefit ourselves with our actions. And I think that is basically the root cause of why we would have to need a creation care talk uh, in a church. Because we are slowly uh, but steadily destroying the planet because we want to travel more. Uh, I'm hugely hands up. I'm guilty of this. Lock me away. Throw away the key. (laughs) I love to fly, um, but it's not actually great. We want to have goods uh, that make our lives more convenient, don't we? We want to have shampoo. We want to have napkins. We want to have takeaway coffee cups. We want to have plastic bags. Uh, And finally, we want more money. So big corporations are cutting down trees. We are polluting the air. Um, We are doing all kinds of bad things to the Earth's resources just to build financial empires and to benefit ourselves so we need to kind of look at where the line is between flourishing as a race uh, and not taking care of our planet because actually the invention of the airplane is pretty revolutionary for our society Um, plastic was also a really fantastic invention and napkins are so useful if you love mexican food so that is also a really important invention but not entirely great for the planet Because we are now in a position where we have not cared for creation kind of as a race. Um, And more importantly, I think as followers of Christ, this should be an issue that we are actually really passionate about. Um, And you often can get put off by the people who are quite militant, perhaps, about this. And it can be quite um, like, oh, just spare me, spare me, let me enjoy my coffee. Um, But actually, it's really important, not because we're hippies, but because the world that we live in, that God created, is being destroyed. And unfortunately, that is a fact. So it's imperative that we fight to protect it. Uh, And we can either choose ignorance, or we can choose apathy, or we can choose action. Uh, And I think where we're at at the moment, those are really our three options. So my question to you is, which camp are you in at the moment, and which camp do you want to be in? And I should state the obvious that there are people in this room who are far more environmentally focused uh, and um, than me, basically. Uh, my wife works for Tear Fund. She has been slowly dragging me through uh, my ignorance, through my caveman phases. I really wanted to have a cup of tea tonight, but I was a bit convicted that I didn't bring my keep cup. So I'm just having water. So sad. Um, but... Um, 
again, it's critical that we have this conversation. So I'm sorry if I'm teaching you something that you already know. Um, but yeah, so let's have a look at the problem, uh, which is the, the depressing bit. What are some of the ways that climate uh, change is affecting our planet? So um, has anyone asked anyone a question about the weather today? Or spoken about it. Anyone said, oh, it's a bit nippy, isn't it? It's been a bit chilly over Christmas. Yeah. Apparently, there was a study in 2018 that showed that as Brits, we will spend a massive four months of our lives speaking about the weather. That's 90 days. That is loads of hours. Um, it's a great conversation filler, but we've got to the point now where it can't just be small talk. I mean, if we look at... Um, Australia, for example, the climate has increased the temperatures. They've had these devastating fires. Um, Indonesia has had some really, really bad floods. Um, let me hit you with a few stats that I got off the interweb. So uh, we are in the midst of a climate emergency. According to NASA, uh, the world's five warmest years were the previous five years. So it's, it's steadily increasing every year. Um, and 2020 is expected to be added to the list. So there were some uh, records, some sizzling records from 2018. Kenya saw its highest temperature in April. Uh, in April, it, in, in spring, it was 41.6 degrees. Uh, in Iraq, uh, a record-breaking 53.9 degrees C was recorded in July. Um, on the 26th of February 2018, Kew Gardens in London registered the warmest winter day in the UK at 21 degrees Celsius. Uh, and 2018, in that year, um, 38.1 degrees was measured in Cambridge uh, on a July day. Uh, to add to that, Belgium, Germany and the Netherlands also recorded their highest ever temperatures during heat waves in the summer that year. Meanwhile, there's also, there's not just fires in Australia, there have been fires in the Arctic and there have been blazes in Greenland, in Siberia and Alaska, which blew my mind because I thought they were just snow the whole, the whole year round. Um, apparently the smoke from those fires uh, was visible from space. And the World Meteorological Organization, the WMO, describes these Arctic fires as completely unprecedented. Uh, meanwhile, at the same time, we have strong winds and heavy rains and flooding uh, across the globe as well. So millions of people have been displaced in India, Nepal, uh, Bangladesh, and as I just mentioned, in Indonesia really recently. Closer to home, we've also had loads and loads of floods recently in Sheffield, um, but again, all over the country. So it's fascinating that we're going through this hodgepodge of meat, uh, heat waves, not meat waves, and heavy rains. So it's pretty heavy stuff because I love a summer holiday as well. You know, and you're like, oh, it's so nice and warm. And someone's like, yes, but the planet is burning to the ground. Like, oh, gosh. But we should actually talk about it. So here we go. Uh, pollution. <laughs> we are contributing to a polluted atmosphere. So we create the uh, greenhouse effect. And I'm just going to talk about three basic ways that, we, that we're contributing to that, which we can do something about. Um, so the first one is through our transport industry. So we have inefficient diesel vehicles. We have lots of plane travel. Uh, and basically anything that burns fuel is a significant contributor to climate change. And we've kind of known that for a long time. Um, but that is, that is a big contributor to climate change and to these kinds of problems. 
The second is the meat industry. Uh, we are contributing to a polluted atmosphere through our meat industry um, because it produces as much CO2 uh, worldwide as our transport industry globally. And some um, records and some studies suggest that it's significantly higher than the transport industry. Some go as high as to say it's twice as much CO2 is produced through um, livestock than through transport, which is really interesting. Because not only do cows, pigs and sheep uh, produce incredible amounts of toxic methane, um, but it also takes billions of tonnes of grain and water to feed all of the livestock that we need to fulfil the demands for uh, the meat industry. Uh, and there's a really cool stat, that, well it's not a cool stat, but an f- interesting one, that like if we just used all the grain that we used to feed the animals to feed the humans, then we would solve like the global hunger crisis. Um, so something there to think about as well. We are contributing to a polluted atmosphere through the meat industry and finally through our waste and through our rubbish. Um, So single-use plastics uh, have basically taken over all of our industries and are being produced globally and used globally, Um, although we don't have the recycling uh, systems across the world to deal with all of the single-use plastics that we produce. Um, There are question marks about the recycling systems even that we have here. Because there is an influx of kind of millions of Coca-Cola bottles and wrappers that are being sent to all these countries. Um, And basically it results in communities having to burn all of their rubbish. So if you go to some countries and some communities, you will just literally see just mountains of rubbish that is being set on fire. Um, The UN have estimated that over 40% of all waste that we produce is burned in open air, uh, which is crazy when you think about it. So multinational companies like Coca-Cola, Nestle, Pepsi, uh, Unilever are producing millions of items of single-use packaging in countries where they don't have the waste collection. Um, So there's uh, a charity called Tear Fund, which is a very good charity. Uh, My wife works for them. Uh, And they are calling these big corporations to take responsibility for their rubbish by making commitments to reduce and collect their waste, uh, which I'll talk about in a moment. But they had a cool story on their website. Uh, This lady is called Rabina. Uh, Rabina lives in Pakistan with her young family. uh, And she told Tear Fund what the situation was like before Tear Fund's waste management project started to clean up their area. Um, She said people would burn waste in the open air uh, since there were no other means of disposal. This would cause my children to cough and get sick, especially when soft drink bottles were burned along with other plastics, causing thick, dense smoke through the community. Sadly, uh, Rubina's situation is far from an exception, and for over 2 billion people worldwide, there is a lack of rubbish collection. Uh, And as I mentioned in the previous stat, the mountains of rubbish are then just simply burnt. So what is the solution to these three issues? Um, there is some things that we can do about this. So it's not all doom and gloom. Uh, it's really important that we take responsibility for this, that we start to look at this issue and we see it for what it really is and we start to act and work together um, to fix it. Um, so yeah, I'm not an expert, but I did, as I mentioned, I worked for someone, I married to someone who works for Tear Fund. Uh, <laughs> Um, there, so there are loads and loads of things we can do um, and it can be quite overwhelming when you become woke and you start to look at all these horrible things in the world like pollution and stuff but it's okay because we can tackle it together 
So the first one I mentioned, travel. You can reduce your travel. You can lift share. You can use public transport. You can buy a bicycle, uh, wear a helmet, wear some high-vis. You can offset your flights now. So you can go on a website online and you can fly somewhere uh, across the world and you can type in where you're going and then you can pay uh, some money which will help like, plant trees and do good-natured things like that. Um, you can go on holiday in the UK. It's actually really, really nice. I just went to Norwich this weekend, great city, a fine city. Uh, the Eurostar now goes to lots of cool places. You can get trains across Europe. Uh, it's really fantastic. I actually had a friend at university um, who broke into Norwich Airport uh, with some of her activist friends and she glued herself to the runway to stop short-haul flights. Don't do that. Just lift share for now. That's cool. That's fine. Um, it was so shocking at the time. I was like, why would anyone ever do that? Flights are great, but here I am. Uh, the next problem, meat. What can we do about meat consumption? Um, some people don't like it when people talk about this. Um, here's a fun fact, right? If everyone globally changed their diet to a, a Mediterranean diet, uh, and that's defined by like eating chicken twice a week, fish twice a week, um, and beef once a month, and then lots of vegetables, um, it would be the same as taking a billion cars off the road each month. Um, the meat industry produces so much CO2. Uh, I've already said that, so that's cool. Uh, the, the worst thing is beef, is red meat. So my, Michael Holmes gave up red meat, massive meat eater. He came to my house and we had Alex Giorgio cooked vegan food. And Michael was like, Alex, can you... Um, can you just cook me some chicken to put on top of this? <laughs> you should have seen her face. It was unbelievable. It was so good. Um, but so if, if Michael can do it, you guys can do it. It's my point. I went veggie for Lent in 2015 because um, I tried to do thing, the thing for Lent that I least want to give up. Uh, and at that time it was meat. So I did it for a few months. I did not make it through the whole of Lent, but I did like a month and a half. And I did learn that it is possible. Um, so then one about a year ago, just over a year ago, uh, we went veggie. And I've only had like four chicken McLegends since maybe six but i'm trying guys <laughs> um there are so much like veggie vegan cookbooks that are amazing like it's worth just trying it um it's quite a new concept but there's so many resources that it's just a really simple switch to make um so i challenge you to just think about could you like just not eat meat for a, for a week midweek just eat meat when you go out to restaurants that kind of thing um, and the third thing is the waste, the plastic, the rubbish that we produce. Um, this is really interesting because it's something that wasn't even on my radar really as a big problem. Um, but it's like Tier Fund's main campaign, um, which is it's really interesting when you start looking at, at all of the... Uh, do I have a picture of rubbish? Um, what we can do with waste. So stop trying to use single-use plastics. Um, obviously, there are a lot out there, so maybe start with one, and then you can go on to another one. So there's disposable coffee cups. Um, so you get a keep cup is a really easy thing to do. Um, you get stop using plastic bags, get a, a tote bag or a bag for life. Um, things like shampoo, uh, lush have loads of like non-plastic soapy things that's really good um you can buy all your fruit and veg without plastic bags just you can buy little weird little produce bags 
uh, or you can just put it in your basket. It's really fine. Um, so that's, again, really easy. There are loads of really small things that you can do. And you can pledge to do that as well on, on different websites. Uh, there's a petition which Tier Fund are running um, to, to call the big corporations to reduce, to report, reduce, recycle and restore. Do I have this slide at, towards the end of the slideshow? Um, don't know if it's up there. So they're calling these big corporations to report all of the plastic that they're producing um, and then to reduce the plastic that they're producing. They're calling them to recycle uh, one piece of plastic for every one they produce. And finally, to restore, so to kind of hold these um, corporations to account for planting new trees and to restoring some of the environment that they're destroying through their rubbish. Um, so I did have a picture, but it's, it's not up there, of my friend Jack, uh, who is also friends with Esther and Hannah, and he went waste-free. So he's decided to try and produce no non-recyclable waste for five-year period, and he has a jar like this big with all of the rubbish he has produced in the last five years uh, that's not recyclable. And it's, so it's like a couple of lids and a few wrappers from chocolate bars and stuff um so it's possible right it's a bit like off the wall crazy but it is doable and like there's a lot of stuff out there that you can do um and it's remarkable when you see stories like that because it does it is just really interesting um so in a moment we're going to go into discussion again um but i just wanted to say quickly that god kind of loves god loves justice doesn't kind of love justice, he really loves justice. It says that in Isaiah chapter 61. Um, and because we're in the UK, we don't really see the injustice that climate change causes. But actually, it's really rife in developing nations. And the Tier Fund slogan is to fight poverty where the need is greatest. And they have pinpointed the need as being where climate change is. And you see communities like Indonesia, where the floods are, um, like Haiti, like... All these natural disasters are hugely correlated and caused by all of this um, pollution that we are causing and everything like that. And that is what's really causing so much injustice in the world. And people are really suffering as a result. So there are, there are many people uh, here, as I've said, who are good at this. But it's really important that we start to take a lead on this, I think, as Christians. Um, we aren't going to solve this problem. It's not good enough to just stop using a plastic coffee cup. It's obviously not going to save the world, you know, but we need to be saying to other people, you know, why don't you get a keep cup? Here's, I got you this coffee cup for Christmas. Here you go, mum. Why don't you use this when you go to Costa instead? Um, we need to be evangelizing the need for environmental care uh, and just kind of gently reminding people that this is a really important issue. Um, so I'd love to you guys to just spend some time on your tables just to talk about like is there one thing that you would want to change as a result uh, of what you've heard maybe you've been reminded oh yeah I used to do that all the time and now I've kind of stopped um, and it would be great if we could encourage one another and hold each other accountable next time you see that person oh like how's it going have you used a plastic bag this week that kind of thing um, so just spend some time just have a little chat uh, is there some action that you can take as a result of this
Okay. I'm going to draw you in again. So slowly. Hopefully that sparked some good conversations and it's quite a good ongoing chat. Um, So yeah, just to kind of reiterate, I think our responsibility goes beyond ourselves uh, and then lies in the conversations that you're having. Um, And yeah, it's really easy to bring it up. Just do it with a smile and then it'd be fine. Um, So another big contributor to kind of waste and stuff is clothes. Um, And so one of the ways that we want to combat that um, or a movement is a clothes swap uh, event. So what happens is people hire out a room or a space and they just, everyone brings like a couple of items of clothing and then you can just trade them in. So it's like, like hand-me-downs, but like trendy and eco and cool. Um, yeah, upcycling. So we're doing a clothes swap here, which uh, Emily and Hannah are running. So do speak to one of them if you want to get involved. It's girls only. Is it female? Not girls only? Okay, great. 18th of January uh, in the evening, which is a Saturday. But that would be really cool. Come and bring some clothes uh, and do that thing. Um, so we've got, uh, just for the last five minutes, I would love it before we sing uh, and worship together for us to pray on our tables. Um, it'd be great to play, pray for our planet, to pray for um, creation care, to pray for Australia, pray for Indonesia, um, and to pray for us as a race that we would really start to, to see this movement that has come on leaps and bounds just really continue to thrive and grow. Um, so that'd be cool if you could do that in your tables. Let's cry out to God for our planet. Uh, And then we will worship together as we close.